Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. If you're planning a meeting, conference, or special event in Missoula, consider the Wingate by Wyndham. Our event space is comfortable and flexible. Whether you need an intimate boardroom meeting or a conference war 100, Missoula's Wingate is the perfect fit. Our audio-visual equipment, upgraded internet, and flexible food and beverage policies allow you to put on an impressive show without breaking the bank. Call us at Missoula's Wingate, where we make you feel at home when you're not. Hey, we're here. Welcome in. Tutel Nuanas. Rushing back over from Grizz Camp. I'm just rushing all over the place this week. I guess that's just kind of the way it goes when you're trying to be a journalist and a radio guy all at the same time. It is two Tell Nuanas broadcasting to you live from the Kurtz Polaris Studios on 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana, and around the planet Earth on YouTube television. Go check out Kurtz Polaris. Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway in Missoula. Not carrying all your favorite off-road vehicles. It's the height of summer. It's a great place to go check out. They just celebrated their 30th anniversary. they got all sorts of great stuff, new inventory across the board. So go check them out at Kurtz Polaris. Well, check us out online, 1029ESPN.com. There you can find the live stream. Live stream is presented by Opportunity Bank. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You can listen to Tutel Nuanas anywhere in the world, live via your computer. And if you want to give us a call, 329-1899. You might notice that I am not Ryan Tutel. I'm Coulter Nuanas. Ryan Tutel, supposed to be here today. Not so much. Big wreck on the interstate outside of Milwaukee. And he watched his plane pull away. So he had to get rerouted. Uh, I think Chicago to L.A. to Missoula. So he is probably in the air right now. He's scheduled to land at 445, and he'll be coming in hot. Uh, so we will anticipate his return no doubt about it but in the meantime i was down at grizz football camp today and uh, it's hot i was sweating uh definitely uh if i'm just sitting there standing there in the shade sweating i feel bad for the boys because this is definitely the hottest day they've had obviously they've been training in the heat for quite some time now uh but it's just not the same as, as when it's the uh, the heat of fall camp. And it hasn't been as hot in Missoula so far this summer. 
So we're going to talk some Grizz football camp today. Uh, we're also going to talk, me and Tommy have a fun conversation planned out. We're going to talk a little bit about what age were you when you first acknowledged the date, when you first acknowledged what year is it, and how does that impact how you think about how long ago something was. So in other words, if you first acknowledged the date in 1994, say, which is I, which is what I thought my first year of acknowledging what year it was, how does that influence then when you think of 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago? It's an interesting transition now that we're not in the 20th century anymore. Now that we're into the 21st century, it's hard to believe we're 20 years into the 21st century. So when you think about things being 20 years ago, it's in this century still. We think about being 30 years ago, that's in the 90s. I was watching a Clockwork Orange, famous Stanley Kubrick film the other day. And I was looking up when it was made. It was released in 1971, and I got to thinking, that was 50 years ago. Amazing. And I also heard an interesting interview with Kevin Bacon, and he was talking about when he first got famous and the advice George Clooney gave him when he first got famous as well. So we have a little uh, off-the-beaten-path conversation about that. And then I'm going to share an interview with you that we aired a couple weeks ago, but that I think is still pertinent now, and an interesting one too, because I know around Missoula in July, a lot of people are in and out. A lot of people uh, are up at the lake enjoying the fleeting days of summer and uh i think this interview might have gotten passed over a little bit but we had former university of montana athletic director jim o'day in here for our espn roundtable a couple weeks back and i just posted that in full podcast form on skyonsportsmt.com so if you want to hear the full thing go there check it out skyonsportsmt.com but it's a really interesting conversation just about the state of college athletics and jim o'day's experience at the university of montana and what the University of Montana needs to do uh, to get back to the glory days that it once experienced, particularly when Jim uh, was the main man uh, running the show there at UM Athletics. So we'll share that with you to close out the first hour, and then hopefully Ryan is back in the saddle with us. We'll talk a little bit about his 1,700-plus-mile drive to Racine, Wisconsin, to celebrate a wonderful life lived by his grandmother. And uh, I also want to get into some other stuff, too, comparing and contrasting bobcat football camp with grizz football camp uh, we also have our b52s giveaway today we're going to give away two tickets to the b52s concert thursday night august 8th out at the kettle house amphitheater we've been playing some fun name that tune stuff uh the last couple of weeks here and uh now we're going to pick a winner out from the four people that named that tune correctly we'll pick a winner we'll give you a pair of tickets to the Kettle House Amphitheater. And we also got to talk some Missoula Osprey. They pushed back the, the revealing of the changing of the name. Uh, so that's a little bit interesting. But then also, if you listen to the the Sports Center yesterday, uh, Jan Diaz, he got called up. He's the 73rd former Osprey to make it into the big leagues. And then last night, he hit a home run. So that's pretty cool. 2015 Pioneer League Player of the Year. And, uh, making waves his first day back or his first day up into the show which is a cool deal whenever a missoula osprey makes it to the major leagues and anytime a missoula osprey does big things in the major leagues as well it was hot down there at Dorn blazer field today it really was uh, and you know we haven't had a lot of time to acclimate to the heat and like bobby alk was saying of course we've had a a mild summer where the lake, Flathead Lake, never even really warmed up. And, of course, the first day the Grizz hit the practice fields, <laughs> it's it's just beaten down. The sun's just beaten down. But I thought the Grizz looked really good just physically. I mean, these first couple days of camp, it's really hard to ever tell anything. And I was only down there for about an hour and 15 minutes checking them out. And so it's a lot of individual drills and fundamental work, and you're not going to gauge much 
in terms of personnel battles and position battles or, or, or you know, what kind of stuff they're going to be running. But you could tell just the efficiency of the way that they operate is a lot better than it was last spring or last fall. Um, I think that they have a lot of guys that can play, a lot of guys that are confident in their abilities to play. And I thought they looked good physically. You know, I mean, everybody, this is the best you're going to look physically. From this point on, you're just going to get worn down all the way through December until you can finally start building yourself back up. But that said, there was a whole bunch of guys uh, that really stood out to me uh, just in terms of the, the gains that they have made in the offseason. Uh, Eric Tabor, uh, Sports Information Director down at University of Montana, he does his annual most weight gained and most weight lost during the offseason for the Grizz, which is always interesting to see who you know, who maybe shed some pounds they didn't need and who maybe put on some pounds uh, that they needed to put on. And his list of gainers was was pretty interesting and definitely some guys that needed some weight. Uh, Moses Mallory, he's weighing in at 350, the J.C. transfer. He is the heaviest of the offensive linemen. Uh, but he actually wasn't with the program, so he's not one of the weight gainers. But the biggest weight gainer was Trevor Wellnell, a walk-on out of Helena Capital. He gained 23 pounds in the offseason. He's up to 270. Cy Sermon, who played at about 272 last year, he's up 18 pounds to 290. That gives him the needed girth to play that center spot. I think he has a chance to be a guy that could be a breakout player for the Grizz. I think his his mental aptitude plus his sacrifice, willing to sacrifice for the team, uh, is really a, an impressive thing. And I've heard that him and Dalton Snead have great chemistry. So him playing center could really help solidify that position for the Grizzlies. Colton Kintz, the right tackle, he is now six foot seven, three hundred and four pounds, six foot eight rather. 304 pounds, so he put on nearly 20 pounds in the offseason. Uh, Cole Grossman, Braxton Hill, they both look really good. I had to double-take both of those guys. They were gray shirt guys that did not join the team till January, participated in spring ball, but they both put on really good weight. Grossman's weighing 220, Hill's weighing 225. So those guys both looked really, really good. I thought Gavin Crow looked good, too. Uh, he's back to play in safety, and he's up to 216 pounds. He's all muscled up and definitely looks the part. Matt Rensvold, I thought the tight ends, period. I think Colin Bingham looks as good as he's ever looked physically. I mean, he, he's shredded. Uh, he's got a lot of muscle mass, and, and he's looking like he's in peak physical condition. But I also thought Matt Rensvold and Bryson Deming both looked great. Rensvold's one of the guys that had some of the top weight gain. He's up to 248. So 6'4", 248 with his skill set, his hands, the way he moves, uh, that's pretty darn impressive as well. Nash Fouch up over 200 pounds. He's weighing 203 pounds, redshirt freshman safety. So that's a good 10-pound gain from him. Uh, but my brother, I was talking about my brother Brooks Nuanas, who's my partner at SkylineSportsMT.com, and he was asking me who I thought looked the most impressive, and I, I thought it was no question who looks the most impressive. Jesse Sims, number 37, uh, local boy from Steve I, Montana, Stevensville. Uh, there's so many different ways to, to just gauge mass and gauge size. And oftentimes the guys that tip the scale at the highest amount of weight Sometimes there's not a lot of good weight there, or there's some bad weight, and it's not necessarily a body fat thing. You don't necessarily have your peak physical conditioning. But Jesse Sims, he's 280 pounds, and he's flat stomach. You know, he, he he's 280 pounds of solid muscle. He, I bet you he has one of the lowest body fat percentages on the team, at six foot four, 280 pounds. He looks amazing. Uh, can he translate that size and strength into? production we'll see and it's a matter of if he can play in the right position that was one of my position battles to watch was not necessarily one involving sims but can the young guys on the interior defensive line 
prove that they can hang, prove that they can play. And if they can, can that help Sims then bump out to strong end, which is his more natural position? I think that's going to be an interesting position battle to watch. As far as the guys that lost weight, some of the more notable ones, uh, Alex Gubner's down to 285 after weighing 295 when he first reported. To me, that indicates that the redshirt freshman D tackle is in better shape. I think that kind of loss is actually a good thing because if you lose 10 pounds to get to 285, you still have enough mass to play on the interior defensive line. But you also are probably going to be a lot stronger, a lot better twitch, a lot better punch. I think that could be very advantageous. Gavin Robertson, the former transfer from University of Arizona, he went from 222 to 208, which I think is really good uh, for him too because I think he needed to lose some weight to be able to operate at that safety spot uh, like he he did last year. He kind of played some rover in the box a little bit last year, but I think this year uh, he'll be a lot more fluid at that weight. And then the other guys that lost a bunch of weight, Tyler Ganong, uh, redshirt freshman, offensive lineman's down 16 pounds to 320. Sean Anderson down 17 pounds to 301. Cody Canoose down 17 pounds to 318. And Angel Villanueva down 23 pounds to 301. And to me, those are great weight losses because if you are still way over 300 pounds, which all three, all four of those guys do, and you have guys like Ganong and Canoose still weighing 318, 320, it just means you're in better shape. And I think you're going to be able to stay on the field. You'll be less injury prone. I just think it's better. I just don't think it's very necessary to weigh 330 pounds this day and age with the speed of the game and how high a priority conditioning is in college footballs. We'll get into some of the other guys that really pop for me. I got my roster handy here. So I'll go through some of just quickly the other guys that I watched and that stood out to me. But first, let's hear from the man himself, Montana head football coach Bobby Houck. Uh, a little bit more subdued than he was in Spokane, but you can tell he's ready to go, focused. Uh, less than a month away from Montana's first game. They open their season August 31st in Vermilion, South Dakota against the South Dakota Coyotes. Here's Bobby Houck on the first day of fall camp. All right, we're working on that sound, but uh, we'll uh, let you know when that thing is uh, ready to roll. We'll see. But in the meantime, give you some of my standouts. And again, this is not evaluating necessarily picking up the scheme or how you are as a football player, how you can hit. This is just evaluating just the physical makeup of the guys from what I was able to see when they're just wearing helmets. But I thought Jesse Owens, the true freshman wide receiver out of Billings, Montana, he's a Billings West product, I thought he looked good. Uh, he, he seemed like he's quick, fast, in and out of his cuts. I mentioned Nash Fouch, he's put on some good weight. He is an imposing figure, and I really like his attitude, the way he plays. Garrett Graves, a guy that maybe was going to work his way into playing a little bit of running back this year after playing quarterback in the spring. He was still working with the quarterbacks today, and the one little skeleton drill that I saw, he threw an interception to Michael McGinnis, the redshirt sophomore safety from Sydney. So Garrett Graves still working on his accuracy, but he looks the part. He's a physical specimen that looks really good. Gabe Solcer. Still one of the fastest guys on the team. No doubt he is incredibly explosive, incredibly quick, and uh, he's a guy that I think that Montana needs to find more touches for this year. Samari Torre, he was working with both the two and three wide receivers, but he was catching balls from both Dalton Sneed and Cam Humphrey, and he got loose a bunch. Uh, He was looking fluid in and out of his breaks, and he's a guy that I think is a make-or-break year for him because he had a huge year two years ago, and he kind of faded last year. Uh, So we'll see. Uh, how he reacts this year uh, and if he can break his way back in and find some more production because he's an incredibly 
Coulter, some people like the Clark Fork, some people like the Flat Hood, the Bitterroot. My favorite river has always been Blackfoot. We finally agree on something. Me too. I love Thibodeau Falls. I love Rainbow's End. I love the Blackfoot River. You know, if a company was smart, they'd just name themselves Blackfoot. By God, look at the geniuses over here at Blackfoot. They've gone and they've done it, and now guess what? They're working around the clock and around the state to lay hundreds of miles of fiber optic cables to increase hugely the the efficiency and the speed of communication across the state of Montana. It's pretty likely you already know Blackfoot as a local partner for internet, voice, professional services, anything you need to fuel your growing business. But like you said, they're building hundreds and hundreds of miles of cable across Montana. And right now, they're expanding their fiber network into Bozeman, St. Ignatius, and other regions. Find out more about what Blackfoot does. Give them a call, 866-541-5000, or go to goblackfoot.com. That's goblackfoot.com. You can click on the link here on the Podbean site, or if you're listening in elsewhere, just copy the URL, drop it in there, goblackfoot.com. You talented dude. And uh, if he could rise up again, that just adds to Montana's array of weaponry. Other guys that I caught that I thought looked pretty darn good. Marcus Wilno's wearing a new number. He was wearing 56 for a long time, but now he's wearing number 10. And he looks all muscled up. He looks good. Mentioned Cole Grossman. Physically, he looks pretty darn good. Uh, I thought Marcus He, the safety out of Honolulu, who was a, a late signee, he originally signed with Southern Utah, but then comes to Montana. I know uh, one of his family members was tweeting at me on Twitter talking about uh, some of his, his measurables. And he can bench press 225 pounds 20 times, which is impressive for an incoming freshman. So we'll see if he can translate that strength onto the field. But he seemed like he moved pretty fluidly. Actually didn't get a chance to watch Jerry Louie McGee, which is interesting because he's a guy that seems to always pop, but I was not necessarily concentrating too much on the wide receivers. <laughs> and when I was, I was watching Jesse Owens, Mitch Roberts, and Sammy Akim. Those three guys were the guys that were closest to me and definitely guys that uh, I, I that st- stood out right away. Uh, Sammy Akim looks as good as he's ever looked. He is a pro-style wide receiver. I really think if Montana dedicated themselves to force-feeding the ball, he, he could have as many catches as he wants. I don't know what DB is going to guard that guy in the Big Sky Conference. His blossoming into the the true um, dominant receiver that I think the people thought he could be, given his skill set, has been tremendous to watch. He's a an unbelievable, uh, unbelievably gifted natural athlete. Uh, Marcus Knight, the junior college running back, I think he still showed a lot of juice, but uh, he's a guy that the details are something that is is hard for him, and they're on him a bunch. How is he going to react to the amount of pressure they're putting on him, the amount they're jawing at him, how hard the coaches have been on him? We'll see We'll see how that goes. But uh, my main man, Tommy, back there tells me that the sound is all fixed up. So without further ado, let's hear from Bobby Houck from the first day of fall camp at the University of Montana. Guys look good, so I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be out here and excited for the first practice. What is the biggest difference day one today compared to day one last year? Um, well, you know, everybody's been through it a few times, so there's there's uh, uh, much less teaching in regard to procedure or anything like that. What are the main things you look for on the first day today? Well, we just need to go to work and, and play football. We've been off for several months, and... We need to get the rest off and, and start getting game ready. You know, as always, this time of year, we're on the countdown to the first game. And, and you know, we just need good work. 
What's different for you heading into the second year? Obviously not your second year at UM, but you know what I mean, coming back? No, not much. It's just uh, football season is always exciting. Uh, Always excited to get out there the first day. And, uh, you know, I I like our team. I'm excited to come. But it is the first day of fall camp. You've done the first day of fall camp many times in your life. Does it feel any different? Or is the same level of excitement personally for you? Yeah, what would be weird would be to not be out there. So uh, this is just, it's familiar territory and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's the day you don't enjoy this or aren't excited about getting out here, then you probably had a quick coaching. Fall camp, fall camp has evolved so much just in terms of the regulations, the rules, how many practices, can't do doubles anymore. What do you think of just the way it's evolved? Is, is there anything you miss about the way it used to be? Well, there's some things that uh, certainly have changed in terms of two-a-days and some of that stuff. Uh, but also the, the summer training and the fact that it's mandatory now. You know, there is no getting into shape anymore. They're all in shape. They're all ready to go. So you don't have the, the conditioning component to it. Um, and then, you know, as, as we get rid of two-a-days, I mean, sometimes I think some of these one-a-days are pretty long and hard. I think so. occasionally the guys will tell you two-a-days are easier. Any difference in uh, this season, I guess, uh, the guys being prepared? Uh, do you feel like they have more of a sense of what to expect now that they had that full season with you last year, at least the guys who did come back? Certainly. You know, anytime you go through a complete cycle of something and repeat it uh, a second time or a third time or a fourth time for each individual, obviously by class is different. But the familiarity allows them to go harder and faster, and you know, I think they know what to expect. So it should, it should be smooth. You've obviously been around the block, you know, here. The heat, de- I'm old. <laughs> <laughs> the heat in Arizona, you know, Vegas. What is optimal weather for you and your team so the boys can kind of battle that obviously doesn't affect them, but is you want them to know that you're playing football? Well, we, you know, we don't want them to be overly concerned with the elements. Certainly it's an outdoor game, and, and we live in a, a place that has vastly different weather season to season you know we don't we don't want them worrying about it when it's cold and we don't want them worrying about it when it's hot um, i mean there's certain things you do when it's cold to prepare yourself for it and, and dress for it and, and there's certain things you do when it's warm out to hydrate and after practice to take care of the body temp and the legs and everything so we do all those things but you know we just it doesn't matter where we're playing or what the conditions are we need to go play in these first practices, like what constitutes good practices compared to the bad ones? Like, what do you want to see compared to not? Well, there's two, <laughs> there's two things that, that lend a positive and negative, and that's probably effort and execution. Um, the attitude and the effort ought to be a constant. Uh, every individual out here, and starting with me, is uh, in control of that. Uh, the execution part comes and goes. So, if you come out here and play hard and, and we execute well, that means we've had a good practice. Last year, last year one of the the freshman that you said you were wanted to keep an eye on was Solser when we were talking on this this day. Are there any incoming freshmen you kind of have your eye on this, this camp? No, I don't. I, I look, both, both freshman corners uh, are probably as close to game ready as anybody. Um, beyond that, you know, it'd be great if somebody surprised us. You guys brought uh, into the O line a lot last year, obviously, especially coming into camp. Um, I guess can you just touch on that group and uh, is there more confidence in that group this year? And how do you feel about them right now? Well. Confidence comes from execution, winning. Uh, but you know, they, those guys have been working hard. They've kind of manned up under the load that's been put on their shoulders, and, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm expecting good things out of them. 
Just brought in some transfers in the offseason. Just broadly, what do you think it takes for a transfer to fit into your program? Well, they have to adapt to the the way we do business, first of all, and then they have to learn the scheme. And So whether that's the academic structure or the football structure or whatever, uh, the, the, the training, they have to jump in and there is no... You know, there's no place to hide. There's no corner cutting. And, you know, they're kind of like, you know, just older freshmen as they learn their way. Some of them have been in places where they're more accustomed to the type of structure we have, and they probably um, adapt quicker. But, uh, you know, if, if they're willing and uh, compliant to what we want, then they, their learning curve is probably faster. Which position battles are you most excited to see play out? I don't know. I mean... All of them. You know, I, I think when we were when we were good around here, we had good depth. Our, our, our groups beyond our, our first group were good players, and you know we didn't even like we didn't go seven years without getting somebody hurt. So um, we need to develop depth, and so they'll all be competing for playing time, and that probably goes across the board, Frank. The group of redshirt freshmen you guys had uh, that redshirted last year, they made some waves in the spring that looked pretty good. What do you think of that group, and, and what's the next step for them in terms of maybe helping you cultivate that depth? Well, you know, sometimes they make a play and it shows up, and uh, all of a sudden you go, hey, who's that? Uh, but it needs to probably be consistency and not, you know, you can't be one play here and, and then wait a while before you make another one or in the right spot. Um, it's a little different during training camp as we are getting ready for the games and so the the uh not that we're in urgent spring but the urgency to know exactly what's going on um the plays that are being called probably when the young guys are in are probably more extensive than in the spring so the execution parts what they need to get Spokane you said you were kind of excited for this year because you didn't know how this year might play out when, when you kind of maybe had a better sense how many practices does it take to get a better sense, or does it wait till game time? Uh, probably October, you know, to be honest. Um, play a few and see how the non-conference schedule goes. Um, so, you know, you don't really know until, until you get into the season. You know, there's so many uh, unknowns, and there's uh, a lot of things that we just didn't do well enough to win consistently or as consistently as we'd like to last year. It's like, let's not talk about, talk about it like we didn't have a winning record, but um, you know, we, we want to win. We want to win a lot of games, so we'll see where that goes. Have you guys already named team captains? We have not. Any idea when that might be? Sometime before the first game. <laughs> Last year, the first game had so much hype around it with yourself returning and kind of a new energy around here and the fact it was under the lights against a ranked opponent. Now this year, you're on the road for your first game. Does that influence the way uh, you you coach these guys during camp or do you prepare them for a, a season-opening road trip these next 30 days? No, we, I mean, on the road, we just, we're going to play the same. It's, it's about going and winning the game. Um, you know, road games... We've actually tried to express to our team that they're not much different from home other than the people in the stands or for the other team. We get on a plane on Friday. It's, our schedule is going to be the same uh, Friday, Saturday, home or road. So we try to make it consistent, and we played pretty well on the road last year, actually. So there you go, Bobby Houck, before his team's first fall camp practice. They'll have a ton of them. They're all open to the public down at Dorn Blazer Field. No scrimmages, at least no scheduled scrimmages. They're open for anybody to watch. So, first real live look we'll get at the Cats, or the Grizzlies, excuse me, 
will be in Vermilion, South Dakota against the University of South Dakota, August 31st. The most interesting part of that interview, I thought, was when Frank Gogola from the Missoulian asked Bobby about the position battles, and he said all of them. And the thing is, one thing I've learned covering Bobby Houck during both of his tenures at the University of Montana is Bobby is one that gets into some coach speak sometimes, and a lot of times what he says is coach speak, but he tells you what the truth is a lot of times. I mean, last year he directly addressed their weaknesses, and he hammered them home, and and he was right pretty much for the duration of the season. And the thing about Coach Houck is that when he says that every battle is open, it's pretty much true. I mean, I I think that it's going to be – it's going to take something crazy for Dalton Sneed to not start at quarterback. It's going to say, take something crazy for Samuel Kim to not start at one of the wide receiver spots. It's going to take something. I mean, I, there's no there's no real scenario besides an injury that I think that would take Dante Olson out of the starting lineup. Montana's All-American middle linebacker. I think that Jace Lewis has an inside track at starting, but I don't think that's necessarily for sure at the other inside linebacker spot. Uh, I think you can pencil in Jesse Sims at either D-tackle or D-end, and I think you can pencil in Robbie Houck. But other than that, I think that every spot on the team is up for grabs. I think that even though Darian Nash and Justin Calhoun return a corner, they will be pushed by some of the incoming both freshmen. Like he mentioned there, Corbin Walker and Trevin Gradney will definitely be in the mix, as will McCall Tolliver and Rayshon Roll in the two junior college transfer corners. I guess McCall Tolliver's from uh, Hawaii, but the two transfer corners. Um, I think that Josh Sandry certainly has an inside track on the rover spot but i think that you know it's not out of the question that he could be pushed there and and maybe split some reps there and then everywhere else i think it's all up for grabs i expect that the two tackles left tackle conlon beaver and the right tackle colton kites i think those two guys have inside tracks on the offensive line but i do think that there'll be battles across that offensive line running back is wide open i think tight end is wide open I think even some of the receiver spots are wide open. Torre was a great breakout player two years ago, but then uh, he lost some reps last year. Keenan Kerr was a team captain last year, and he lost his starting spot for portions of the season. I think Mitch Roberts, Gabe Sulser, uh, Malik Flowers, those are all young guys that will come up and push uh, the wide receiver crew as well. So we'll get into some more of this Grizz fall camp stuff, of course, over the entire next month. But a little later on in the show as well, when Ryan Tutel gets back, uh, we'll break some of this down with him as well. But now I want to have a completely outside-the-box conversation with my man, Tommy Evans. So after this, we're going to talk about how old were you the first time you acknowledged the date? And when you get famous, does that mean you're stuck that age forever? 2 tell Nuanas, 129 ESPN Missoula. Stay wide, SWX Montana. You know, guests, the Wingate by Wyndham is the Missoula Hotel that truly offers something for everybody. No doubt. It's conveniently located near the airport, easy for when your friends come to visit you. And you know, of course, my favorite, water slides. That's right. they got an awesome water park with a sweet water slide that's perfect for families, groups, and birthday parties. With the Wingate, they also have a terrific business travel rate, large meeting spaces for you and your clients, and one of the best rewards programs you'll find anywhere. Talk to me about breakfast. They're not messing around with the Continental. They got the full breakfast spread, man. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. They got you covered there as well. Just down the road from the Missoula Airport, the location is quiet and convenient. The parking is ample and free, and the staff genuinely cares about taking care of their guests. The Wingate is at 5252 Airway Boulevard. You can also call. Very simple, easily memorizable number, 541-8000. That's 541-8000. The best hotel at the best spot for a hotel near the airport. Let the Wingate by Wyndham in Missoula make you feel at home, even when you're not.
We usually reserve the funky tunes for Regime Seabrook, but uh, Tommy Evans. Is I'm a, a special guest. He's a special guest. Uh, for the loyal listeners of this show, we're not crazy. <laughs> we're not. Yeah, right, man. I know you think we are. We're not. Tommy has been and always will be the producer of the show. No, you're even signing though, me up for something you didn't though, disclose to me. Even though he's you know. not the producer of the show every other day and every other week. We just got to ebb and flow with it. Sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. Right now, right now, Reese is doing a great job back there. He's been playing, yeah, some, he playing some good beats, been uh, fixing my stuff on the fly. You know, I mean, this takes a lot of moving parts. So we had the sound kind of go off the rails there. I couldn't find my bit, so I got to keep talking to myself. And then you guys, you fix it up. It was all good. We'll get to you, Tommy. One okay. second. Welcome okay. back to Tell Nuanas 129 ESPN Missoula Statewide, SWX Montana, and around the planet Earth on YouTube television. We're broadcasting to you live. Kurtz Polaris Studios, Kurtz Polaris, 2904 West Broadway here in Missoula. Go check them out. They have all their new off-road vehicles ready for you. If you want to find us online, 129ESPN.com, right there, you can have all sorts of stuff. We've got some news stories from Sky on Sports posted up there. We've got some podcast stuff. Got all the latest and greatest and all the stuff we're giving away, which, by the way, we're going to give away our B-52s tickets next hour, so stay tuned for that. Uh, and we have a variety of other things at One Shine ESPN, including the live stream. That's where you can get the podcast, all sorts of stuff there. It's fall camp. It's football season. But I want to talk about something completely off the rails here. But first, Weird. one of the things that I always try to keep perspective on is – Anybody that's listening to this show or has listened to this show, it's very clear that I have an unhealthy obsession with sports. Yes. And I've been battling with this unhealthy obsession with sports a lot lately because I'm just trying to figure out where this fits in. And like I talked about yesterday, you know, I, I wanted to address the two mass shootings that happened over the weekend mm. and because so often sports and social media, Twitter and social media specifically, go, or Twitter and sports, excuse me, go so hand in hand. And I was scrolling through Twitter looking for all the excitement. College football's coming. And I wanted to see all the updates from around camp, and all I saw was just vitriol over gun rights. And it just it made me so mad because I just don't understand why we can't just be civil and nice to each other. I hate the fact that people bully each other behind a keyboard. I hate that everything has become so stratified. It's one side or the other. You have to pick a side. And we can just never let anything be. And I, I kind of related that to the Bobcat-Grizzly rivalry you know, I was in Mont- I was in Bozeman for the last five days covering Montana State's fall camp. They opened five days earlier. So I went over there to cover them. That's it. I was just covering them because they opened earlier. It's not because I like the Cats more than the Grizz. I got all these comments on social media saying, well, why are you such a big Bobcat fan? Why are you going to cover the Grizz? Well, the Grizz just practiced for the first time today, people. We couldn't cover them until it happened. So uh, I just hate when I print stories about kids and you get the other side of the rivalry, just lighten up your Twitter feed. Regardless, my question for you, though, Tommy, is that it's when you're immersed in this stuff, it just becomes such a way of life, and it's such an uh, entertaining part of our day-to-day. And I hope that here at Tutel Nuanas, we're a welcome distraction for all of you. I think that it, you know if you're having a hard day or you just don't like what's going on in your life or you just need a reprieve or you want to relax or you want to laugh or you know you know there's a kid from your hometown that's playing for the Grizz. I hope we can, we can give you all that stuff and, and make you feel good about yourself, even just for a brief moment in time. But when you actually take a step back, this is funny because we've been doing this new sports segment with our good friend Carolyn. Uh, it's called a, a sports update from a chick who doesn't know about sports. And she puts a lot of things into perspective, just kind of the ridiculousness of a lot of this stuff. Like she was just making fun of Ryan and I so much because we watched the whole NFL draft. And she was like, what is wrong with you? You guys watched 
like 10 hours of TV of kids getting their names read off of cards. And she's like, what's wrong with these people that go to this? Because they're booing children who are like basically getting hired for jobs. Like imagine going and sitting outside of like the accounting firm and a kid gets a job and then you just boo him resoundingly because you don't like the fit for your team. It's crazy when you this is just like the bachelorette finale. It's, it's, it's crazy when you really think about it. Yeah. But so this next month, I'm going to just be driving across the state. I'm going to be going to football practice after football practice. Right. You're driving stories. all over the state all the time. Right. Though. But I mean, but this is like the intense month. And when I actually take a step back and think about it, I'm like, I'm covering football practice. How how ridiculous is this? I get the excitement. I think it's fun. But I also get the ridiculousness of it. How ridiculous do you think it is that I, like, grind like this just to provide information about practice? I don't think it's uh, ridiculous whatsoever. In fact, I find it motivating to me to some degree because you are a tried-and-true journalist. You take journalism and the ethics surrounding journalism in this time in our world and our society incredibly seriously. And uh, you found a way to implement your skills and your passion and uh, uh, really keep the art or the craft, if you will, uh, kicking and rocking and alive. And you're not sitting here talking about Johnny Manziel every every <laughs> two days. Even though you'd want me to. I say that in a tongue-in-cheek fashion because totally. that's because because major outlets are still talking about him. Totally. I don't follow him and I hear about him all the time. Yeah. No. It drives me crazy. It's so I true. say that out of sarcasm to you. Well, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. I want to have a fun conversation with you though. Let's I, do I it. wanted to bring you in because I thought this was interesting. I read this article all about how your perspective of what we talk all the time about the last generation or you know, a decade ago or 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Yeah. And this all started when I was watching A Clockwork Orange. Great the, show. The famous Stanley Kubrick film. One of the greatest shows. And I was watching this and I was thinking, this is so darkly hilarious. It's so, <laughs> it's so demented. Yes. And it is like so offensive and so intense. And I kept thinking, man, when was this made? And then I looked at the, the copyright, 1971. And I immediately thought, wow, that's that's a crazy film for being 30 years ago. Yeah. Then I did the math. No, 1971 was almost 50 years ago. 50 years. 50 years, because 1969, that was 50 years ago. Think Whoa. about that. That's crazy. Then I read this fascinating article about how our brains, the year that we first acknowledge what year it is, uh-huh. is sort of a timestamp on our mind. So then we relate everything from there. So I always think of 10 years ago, like 1984, because I was born in 1987, and the first time I acknowledged that a year was a year was 1994. And now I realize, well, 1994 mm-hmm. was 25 years ago. So it's almost as if it puts it into overdrive. And I think it's such an interesting dynamic because you know you, you talk to your parents, and they would always talk about 20 years ago in the 90s, which was the 70s. And now... They still think of it like 20 years ago, except for that it's 40 years ago now. I just think that there's been this diametric shift because you could always equate how long ago something happened during the 90s because, excuse me, during the 20th century because each decade was just incremental lead up to 2000. But now we're 20 years into the 21st century. So now when you talk about 20 years ago, you're still talking about the 2000s. That's mind blowing when you really think about it. Yeah. How old were you when you first acknowledged? what year it was. What's crazy about this is I know exactly the time and the place. It was 1999. First grade, Franklin Elementary. My teacher was you Mrs. Flanders. first Flanders. grade, 1999. That's crazy. I was. You and were a boy genius. We left. Oh, well, we, we're here to tell people things they don't know. 
So we went to Christmas vacation. We came back, Mrs. Flanders, first grade class in the new year. And we, we wrote because whiteboards weren't invented at the time still. Mm. And so, you know, we'd write the, the date on the board and read it aloud to figure out our numbers and the months and yada, yada. It was January, whatever, 1999. And I, re- I can see it clear as day. She goes, oh, that's not correct. Gets the eraser, psh, 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 wipes it, 2000. Like, wow, you know, we're suddenly in the future and nothing's changed. <laughs> How about you? What was uh, first year? Oh, man, 1994. But I do have a couple memories from earlier than that, but I didn't, I didn't know what year it was. I remember acknowledging what year it was, though, in 1994. It's actually interesting. One of my first memories in terms of the date and year was the O.J. Simpson High-speed chase. Oh, interesting. Or, I guess, low-speed chase, as Are you were. triggered by a white Bronco, then, Colton? So, I've been watching... Have you ever watched O.J. Made in America, the, the five-part documentary Twice. series? I've watched it two times, honestly. Honestly, if you're out there and you are a sports fan, must watch. If you're not a sports fan, still must watch. It's one of the greatest documentaries I've ever Without seen. Without a doubt, one of the greatest. It's unbelievable, the amount of interviews and the, the social and racial and societal impact that all of that had. What's crazy about that really quick is it's, it's a five part thing. The first three episodes are leading up to why it mattered. Right. As w- with regard to the murder. Yeah. And I guess the accusation of murder, sure. if you're being really, sure. and the chase and all that stuff. So, sorry, not to, not to uh, do it's, really. It's, 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 it's a crazy story still to this day. I mean, I, I truly think that the OJ Simpson trial the O.J. Simpson murder case and the trial that followed, I think, created the world we live in today. I think it was the mm. advent of reality television as we know it. It thrust a bunch of previously irrelevant people into places of tremendous fame. A few names come to mind on that. I mean, court TV was not a thing until that. The The commentary that's associated with the 24-hour cable news networks, it was not... That was not a huge deal. It's really interesting. Until O.J. Simpson. I really think it diametrically shifted everything that we know now in modern-day America. But I just think it's interesting that the concept of the first time you acknowledge the date, how that influences how long ago you think things were. I was watching this Twitter video from 2009 of one of Montana State's assistant football coaches. It was like a tutorial of him showing fans how to use Twitter. I was thinking, <laughs> man, that's crazy. Only 10 years ago, there was no Twitter. And now it's like Twitter is... I mean, it's so gigantic. I mean, the the, the president of the United yeah. States, for better or worse, basically puts out personal press releases on Twitter every single day, and inf- it's a and daily just, buyer. Just inflames diary. the country. Yes, yeah. it's it's crazy. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk to you about, which I think is so interesting, is that I was listening to a podcast with Kevin Bacon, which was was interesting, <laughs> and he was talking about when he first got the role in Footloose and how that was his first big role, and how he was twenty five when that happened. And he said that George Clooney gave him this interesting piece of wisdom. He said that George Clooney told him, you, you will, unless you make a conscious effort, you will stay the age that you were the first time you got famous forever, unless you refuse to do that. And George Clooney was talking about how that's why people like Michael Jackson are so weird because Michael Jackson became famous when he was five and Michael Jackson basically stayed like he was eight years old for the rest of his life. I mean, he was never really any more emotionally mature than a child. That example holds water to me, but let's talk about what exactly it is to be famous. True. Is there some kind of click in the mind where one develops a certain level of popularity or acceptance, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is then perceived as popularity? What does that look like? 
you know. Th- that's an interesting point. I also think that th- there's just such an element of so many people when they become famous before the age of 30, whether it's when they're 15 or 20 or 25. You'll never be famous, just so you know. Oh, absolutely. I hope not. You guys have already <laughs> ruined that so much for me. I just want to be in the background. I don't ever want to do anything besides have a byline. And all of a sudden, you guys throw me on television. What do you mean, you guys? You and Tutel. You guys are the ones I don't driving do, I the can't ship. beat the two of you out of here with a stick. You won't go away. <laughs> I love it. But George Clooney made an interesting point when he was talking to Kevin Bacon. He said, the reason I'm so normal is I didn't become famous until I was 37 years old. So now I've been able to just be 37 in the minds of everyone all the way until now I'm 60. Isn't one particular person giving themselves the label of normal still a cue that there's a a misconstrued well, self-awareness. Right. I mean, George Clooney is obviously not normal. He has written and directed. And what the hell is with George Clooney? Why is he the guy talking about all this stuff? Well, I think, I think George Clooney is probably more centered than most really famous people. Him and Tom Hanks seem to be the most normal. I mean, look at okay. look at their peers. I mean, look at how weird Brad Pitt and Tom Cruise are. <laughs> I mean, Tom, yeah, true, man. I, get I, I heard a story that Tom Cruise, when he gets called from his trailer during a movie, he stands up and sprints like it's the Olympics, sprints as fast as he can to the set and then starts doing push-ups to make sure that he's warmed up and ready for his next acting scene. And I wonder what George Clooney thinks about push-ups and sprinting. <laughs> but when you think about it, I mean, throughout America, you know, the, the American film industry of the last, let's say, 50 years, yeah. there's very few people that have, that have been and maintained fame when they were young, middle-aged, and old. Meryl Streep comes to mind. Tom Hanks comes to mind. Tom Cruise to a certain extent, but he's never really gotten old yet, even though he's now approaching the point where he is old. George yeah. Clooney has been like the heartthrob doctor on ER, the off-the-beaten-path weird film star of the early 19 or late 1990s, and then the worst Batman ever, and then all of a sudden, like this serious film drama director. But most other people, <laughs> their window is only 10 years yeah. long, and then they yeah. just kind of fade. So I, I, just, I don't know. I thought it was interesting. Do you think you're fading, Coulter? Oh man, I, I mean, I'm about to go off the rails. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go uh, move to the uh, Amazon and start growing grapes. I why? Think. I don't know. Why not? I don't understand. But why grapes, though, man? Uh, my brother's been teaching me about wine. Really? Yeah. Let me tell you something that I know. The last time I took you seriously, it, <laughs> it was never. It got me kicked out of an establishment <laughs> for literally ex- sitting there doing nothing. <laughs> And and you're trying to impose all these new opinions and views on me. And look, dude, I'm not even open to listening to you anymore. This is the last time it did not go well for me. I texted you today. I've always tried to teach Tommy about Dave Matthews. This band is what I'm talking about. I want Tommy to like Dave Matthews band because they're just good enough to like no matter no matter if you love them like me or not. They're just they're better than what the haters say that they are. I agree. But I was Very actually good. thinking about this. I don't actually love Dave more than any other act. I just defend him more because I just think it's ludicrous that people hate on him so Because he's a wine guy, right? So now you're well, into the wine right, thing, yeah. and so you're just bonding, you know. Dave you're has, trying a, to Dave mimic has a crazy authenticity to his performance. But, Hashtag but, on Twitter, Mimic Matthews. That's the new Coulter <laughs> Nuana's bio. Uh, it's Tutel Nuanas broadcasting to you live from the Kurtz Player Studios. Tommy Evans in studio. We've been talking about nothing for 15 minutes, so we're going to stop doing that, and we're going to get back to our sports show. Ryan Tutel should be back soon. I don't know where he's at. He doesn't probably know where he's at, but uh, 
After this, we're going to do a couple more things, uh, impressions from Grizz, first day of fall camp, and then we might play a little Jim O'Day interview as well. Tommy, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you. Back after this. Coulter, you and I both know being healthy is a very, very important part of life. Am I right about that? Indeed, guess it is. Well, one of the things that makes me healthy, think you as well, fiber. Gotta have it. You sure do, man. You need to eat your fruits and your veggies, your bananas. You gotta get all that stuff in. Maybe even some bran. Plums. All of it. Fiber is very important. Well, guess what? Turns out it's important to communication as well. You might be surprised to learn that Blackfoot and its partners have invested millions of dollars, truly, in building a fiber optic network throughout Montana. Through Bozeman and around Gallatin County, more than 30 miles of fiber optic cable have been laid by Blackfoot. That's amazing. Impressive. Innovative. And a perfect place with the way Bozeman's been growing. Click on the link below. Go blackfoot.com slash ESPN. They're not trying to sell you anything. They don't want you to do anything. They just want you to know what they're up to, and how they're improving communication across the state of Montana. So go to goblackfoot.com backslash ESPN now. Running down a dream. I hope Tutel's running down a dream because I know his dream is to be back in this sweltering hot studio with my sweaty face. Tutel Nuanas without the Tutel, just the Nuanas broadcasting to you live 29, or excuse me, from the Kurtz Polaris Studios. They're at 2904 West Broadway. Gosh, I'm just on fire today. I got my reads locked in. I'm just a mess. I, I, I got, I'm going 17 different ways at once. I miss my co host. He's the guy that drives this ship. This is like when you turn the 17-foot yacht over to the guy who's never driven it before and the waters become rough even if it's just a calm day on the lake. I just I, I can't do it without my main guy, Gus. I'm, I'm the number two. I'm a perfect number two. I'm just not, I'm not great at the number one, you know, but we, we will march through. Don't worry. Ryan Tutel, he'll be back here, well, I don't know, probably the next 15 minutes, maybe the next 20 minutes, maybe the next 30 minutes. He told me he landed in Missoula, 439. He didn't check any bags, so he is on the clock. Broadcasting to you, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana, and worldwide YouTube television. You can also listen worldwide on the live stream. That's on 1029ESPN.com. If you want to follow us on the various Twitters, you can find us at SkylineSportsMT.com. We have comprehensive updates for both Montana and Montana State Fall Camp over the next 30 days leading up to the season opener for both the Bobcats and the Grizzlies. You can also Follow me at Coulter underscore Nuanas. You can follow Ryan at Gus Tutel. You follow the station at 1029 ESPN. We were going to share a little bit of our Jim O'Day ESPN roundtable, but we're up against it right now. So uh, we're going to talk just a little bit more about Grizz Fall Camp, and then maybe we'll share that interview at the top of the hour with you. It's a good one. And stay tuned. Next hour, we are going to be giving away our B-52s tickets, the B-52s at the Kettle House Amphitheater on Thursday night. It's going to be a great show. We've been taking entries for about the last week and a half, maybe two weeks. we got four entries for Name That Tune, who all got it right, and so we'll be able to pick one of those people before the other day and send you out to the Kettle House Amphitheater. Also going to be talking some Missoula Osprey and a variety of other things as well. But I, I told you about some of my impressions of guys physically 
uh, from Grizz football camp, but I was only I only got down through about the mid twenties on the roster. We talked about how Bobby Houck wants competition across the board, and I think there will be competition across the board. Uh, but a couple other updates for you. A couple injury updates. Josh Egbo tore his ACL. He's a uh, fourth-year junior cornerback who had a great spring, but he was in an ACL brace, and so he'll be rehabbing. He'll miss almost certainly the first several months of the season, but maybe the entire season. We'll see. Uh, Dallas Hart, Brandon Scott, they are no longer on the roster. Those two guys were guys that were expected to be veteran guys that were at least going to fight to be in the rotation on the offensive line. But they just had injury-riddled years last year, so they had to walk away from the program. So best wishes to them. Uh, but a couple other guys that I, I got a chance to check out, uh, Rayshon Roland and Mikael Tolliver, the two transfer corners, those guys both got taken to the tent uh, because of some heat stuff. So hopefully they're all right. But a lot of times that's not atypical. You know, you talk about a hot 90-degree day in Montana. Maybe those guys weren't anticipating that. But they were also late additions to the rosters. So they probably weren't uh, performing the same conditioning stuff. But a lot of the guys were, so maybe it's just a matter of getting back up to speed, back up into shape. A couple other impressions for you from across the Grizz football roster. Ryder Meyer, the true, the true freshman safety out of Fairfield, uh, he looked good. He He's a coach's kid, but it seemed like he was picking up the stuff, just the basic install that they were doing. He was running with the threes at safety. And, uh, you know, a lot of times these first couple days without pads, the mental aspect is the biggest part for the young guys. And... Uh, he seemed to pick it up pretty well. He looked pretty fluid in and out of his breaks. He was getting lined up right. You know, I only watched him during skeleton and seven on seven and just a little bit of eleven on eleven uh, early on. So no real impressions in terms of his football playing ability, but his mental ability uh, seems to be pretty darn good. Uh, Dante Olson looks like a beast. Not surprising there. I mentioned Braxton Hill. He looks like a man. I had to double check my roster twice. I thought maybe he was a junior college guy because he looks like he's put together so much. But he's six two two twenty five now. Gray shirt out of Anaconda, Montana. Looks great. Levi Janicaro is a kid who I have always rooted for, a Missoula Big Sky kid who I just think is a really tough, hard-nosed guy. If he can just find a position on the field, I think he can contribute. But he he looks darn good physically. Saw Noah Baohea, the junior college outside linebacker uh, from Merced College. He's, he's originally from Hawaii. Uh, he definitely looks the part, too. Physically mature, he's about 230 pounds. He was the guy that caught my eye right away. Mason Vineyard, he is all of 6'5", 245 pounds, the edge rusher out of Helix High School in San Diego by way of Washington State. He looks really good. Uh, Vika Fatuese, he put on a bunch of weight. He's up to about 245. He's going to be playing D-end during his fifth and final year with the Grizzlies, but he seemed to tweak a hamstring a little bit during fall camp, so that was uh, something to keep an eye on, but hopefully it's just a, a minor deal. Jed Nagler, who is still coming back from a knee injury from a year ago, uh, he was working out with a group that was not participating in practice. Uh, it was him and uh, David Kopeng and uh, one other, I think Jackson Pepe, uh, were working a little bit with some of the strength guys. So hopefully they get back into uh, full go, full good shape. Uh, Johnny Barthels, or Johnny Barthel, excuse me, he, he was one of the highly recruited offensive linemen out of Bellevue, a guy that looks like a, a good developmental guy at six foot five, 265 pounds. He's skinny. Uh, but he's got a great frame. He's got the the length and height that you want. I have an offensive tackle. Uh, Lorenzo Brown was a guy that I thought was a little bit in over his head last fall camp, but now he looks really good. He's a redshirt freshman DN, and and he's put together. I think he's worked a lot on his hip flexibility and hip bend. Uh, he moves a lot more fluidly, and he definitely looks the part. He looks good. Didn't get a chance to see Joe Babros from the NC State transfer, so I will make sure to get an eye on him. Patrick O'Connell is an incredibly intriguing guy. Uh, out of Glacier High School, a kid who transferred to Montana last year from the University of Mary. He just looks the part all day, so I'd be so interested to see 
if you can put it together. Uh, Cy Sermon, 6'4", 290-pound redshirt senior, uh, now playing center. He looks great. Uh, Cordell Pilons, the other junior college transfer besides Moses Mallory, he looks great. Moses Mallory is massive. He's six foot three, 350 pounds, the heaviest lineman on the team. I'll be so interested, interested to see what his conditioning level is because, to me, he just looks so, so big. Uh, but if, if he can stay on the field and, and stay fresh, I think that he has a chance to really help Montana fortify its interior offensive line. Matt Rensvold, tight end out of Polson, looks great. He's up to almost 250 pounds. I thought the tight ends actually looked as good as anybody. Colin Bingham popped to me. Bryson Deming popped to me. Uh, Colton Curry is all of six foot seven. He's still skinny, but he's long and lean. If you can put on the necessary weight, he's going to be a stud. Joey Elwell was a kid I thought was one of the best incoming freshmen for the Grizz. Uh, tight end out of the Boise area. And uh, he looks physically ready. Noah Ambule from Great Falls Central. My goodness, I can't imagine that guy playing Class C quarterback last year. He's 6'3", 250. I had to triple check my roster on him because I thought there's no way that that guy's a, a freshman. He, he looked really, really good. Uh, but honestly, out of all these guys I just named, the number one guy that popped me right away when I walked up was number 92. And I looked at my roster, I was like, who's 92? That guy, that's what they look like. Uh, it's Jacob McGoring, who Bobby Houck has touted Many times is perhaps the gem of this last recruiting class. He's compared him to Croy Beerman, which is incredibly high praise. But Croy Beerman was about 6'3", 215 pounds when he got to campus out of Hardin, Montana. Jacob McGoin is 6'5", 240 already, and he is just strapped. He looks absolutely phenomenally good. So it would be interesting to see how he develops and if there's a role for him this year or not. It's 5 o'clock. Our main man, Gus Tutel, is likely on the way here. So we'll look forward to that. In the meantime, we'll share a little bit of Jim O'Day from the ESPN Roundtable a couple weeks ago with you. Tutel Nuanas marches on, World 29, ESPN Missoula. Whether you're traveling to Missoula for business, a family visit, or to watch the Grizz game, the Wingate wants to be your home away from home. Call the Wingate to find out how we can take care of your next trip to Missoula. From conference rooms to great complimentary breakfast to an indoor water park, we have what you need and what you want when traveling. The Wingate of Missoula is a proud supporter of Grizzly and Lady Grizz Athletics, and we look forward to making you feel at home when you're not. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 